0: Welcome back to Welcome to Westworld, the post-show recaps podcast here where we are talking about All Things Westworld this week, diving in to Episode 4, Riddle of the Sphinx. And you know what they say, everybody. If you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering. And the offering that we are offering up this week is Joe Garfine. Joe Garfine has been sacrificed to the devil. And the devil is a cold that has claimed the great Joe Garfine this week, who will not be joining us on the podcast. Very sad news. I'm Josh Wigler. I'm very excited about who will be joining us us in Joe's place this week. It's uh it's Emily Fox. Let's just get right into it. Hi, Emily Fox. Hi. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? Great. Thanks. Thank you for in the the eleventh hour, uh, Joe has has uh, come down with uh, with a cold. She's very sick right now. In uh, the last like couple of hours before we were about to record, and we've recorded these podcasts pretty late into the week, so uh, we are very appreciative and grateful for you being able to to step in and and fill fill in uh, her considerable shoes, her well, void.
1: I hope first of all that she's feeling. Better yes. soon. Lift a um, tankard
0: and tonic in honor of the great Joe Garfine. Absolutely, uh, a mutual drink of choice between the two of us. But
1: I am thrilled and humbled to be a part of this podcast today. I hope to bring uh, great wisdom uh, and add on to
0: lower those expectations because the amount of the wisdom will be like a little bit dulled this week.
1: Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, I, I so appreciate that. You know what? Yeah. Let's level the playing field right now and just say that you are the one who has all the wisdom no. and I'm just here for the ride, Josh. I,
0: I, right? I have no wisdom to offer as well. The, the source of wisdom is Joe herself. So we wish Joe a speedy recovery. She'll be back next week when we are talking about episode five of Westworld and not to get too far ahead of ourselves, Emily, uh, but the preview for episode five of season two of Westworld. Get hype Shogun World. It's happening.
1: I know it looks so impressive and so cool and just adds such a like another layer to this
0: entire universe. I'm yeah. really excited about it. Samurai Maeve, get yeah. pumped. I know. Get hype.
1: I know. There's just so many levels to the show, and I am I'm constantly impressed by you know the commitment that they take on on every single level.
0: Yeah. So one of the one of the things that that's great, uh, Emily, you and I. Uh, for those who don't know, Emily Fox, who has been here on post show recaps a few times in the past, and has uh, you know been a, a great contributor when we did the Lost Lives podcasts. Uh, maybe some of you recall a Fifty Shades of Grey podcast once upon Arf. a time, perhaps a <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 here and there. Um, but but you and I, we don't necessarily always. See See eye to eye on our favorite shows. You're not a Survivor person, really. This is what makes
1: our relationship work. I respect Survivor for what it is. Um, Was I an avid watcher before I started dating you? No. Yeah. Am I an avid watcher now? Not particularly, but I do enjoy watching you. Here and there.
0: you. You dabble, you dabble. You're not a Game of Thrones person.
1: No, it's too violent for me, which is surprising considering how much I love Westworld. That's the
0: thing is that you love Westworld. Like I remember showing you Westworld and you just like being hooked into it. Immediately. So, I mean, just like to give people a little bit of a baseline as you're stepping into Phil Joe's shoes this week, what is it about Westworld that you like so much?
1: I think that, um, I love how beautiful the landscape is. I love how in-depth all of the characters are. And that's not to take away from other shows that you've mentioned that I don't watch. I just, I was instantly captivated by sort of the concept of it all. And I keep saying this over and over again, but Michael Crichton created this, right? Yes. He had some messed up dreams about theme parks going awry. (laughs) I just have to say, like, if we're really digging down deep. Um, But I Are you
0: excited for the episode later on in season two where we go to Jurassic Park?
1: Oh my God, I can't even. I can't even. No. <laughs> But I, I, you know what? I grew up watching Star Trek Next Generation. I always loved the hologram. So this sort of like maybe, or not the hologram. The holodeck. The holodeck. Wow. Ouch. I I always appreciated the holodeck episode. So I feel like this is maybe sort of turning into that same direction in a way.
0: So uh, it's appropriate that uh, you as the the former co-host of the, the later days of Lost Lives are coming into this episode. And it is very, very sad that Joe, who is such a nerd for Lost, we talk about Lost all the time on this podcast. Is missing out on this episode So we'll definitely be sure to get her takes on the episode When she comes back and joins us again Um, But this is like it certainly starts off Riddle of the Sphinx in the most lostian way humanly possible, which I know is a show that you really loved as well. Uh, and for me, and I, I know a bunch of people have said this already. There have been some great takes on this about how this might be not just the best episode of season two of Westworld so far, but maybe the best episode of Westworld so far outright. Um, I'm I'm feeling like that's uh, it's maybe a little quick uh, yeah. to, to to reach that conclusion, but at the same time. I'm hard pressed to think of a, a more kind of singular, unique episode than this one. It was it was directed by series co-creator Lisa Joy, uh, and she is uh, she does an incredible job in this in this episode. That is impressive for so many reasons. One of which is. There's no Tandy Newton in this episode. There is no Evan Rachel Wood Mm -hmm. in this episode. And so much of the success of this show, I think, has really rested on their shoulders. They're so great. They're so great. I mean, the acting on this show is phenomenal just across the board. But those characters specifically are just spectacular, and they are not in here for even a second. Uh, there's so much riding on um, the man in black, on Ed Harris in this yeah, episode. I feel
1: like we delve a little bit more into his side of things. Oh yeah,
0: deeper. I think yeah. em- deeper than ever before. Um, you know, we're, we're getting a lot about that character, certainly from the Ed Harris side. We've, I think that, you know, you've gotten to see like sort of like the slow motion horror show right. of Jimmy Simpson as William, and like getting that front end of the character, and how he's really how it's become really nightmarish, how he's become come this nightmarish character um, but from Ed Harris's perspective the scenes that we see and he's
1: even in these scenes being like wow that's really messed up yeah you know there's just, there's just
0: it's a really cool transition that seems to be happening with that character that will definitely dig into that in in greater detail uh, a lot of confusing things happening still with Jeffrey Wright as Bernard um, but for for me the the standout of this episode and one of the reasons why it's so exciting is that it's, it's really on the back of uh, a guest star, essentially, on, on Peter Mullen, uh, who plays James Delos, or, kind of James Delos like some yeah. sort of like human host hybrid which is a really interesting wrinkle to the mythology of this show I think that this is something that people have been really um, wondering about if this was a possibility is there going to be eventually some sort of exploration of human immortality through the host form and now that's confirmed I on mean the it's show?
1: terrifying but it had to be explored I think given everything they've done so far
0: it's cool because, you know, we've there's been a lot of buildup, I think, in terms of like uh, this season. We know that the that the Delos board has been accumulating data on the guests. That's something that uh, Bernard says in the very first episode of this season. We're like, are we like taking DNA samples from people? Are we collecting their information? And Tessa Thompson and Charlotte is just like, yeah, we're not talking about that right now. Right. right. We're saving that for episode four, uh, <laughs> where we will we will really dive deeper into that. But it's, it's very exciting that that is out on the t- table, and one of the reasons why I love this episode so much is because that reveal, it comes midway through this episode. That's the type of reveal that normally on most shows is reserved for, like, a cliffhanger, and it's like, oh my god, this theory that we've been chewing on forever, it's real! And now I have a week to see what they're gonna do about it, or a season if they're especially cruel! But it's dropped in the middle of this episode in kind of this, like, matter of fact way, because I do think, as you said, Emily, it's sort of a, it was a Matter of fact, direction that this show had to go in. It, it felt yeah. like baked into the premise of what this series seems to be exploring, the idea of extending human life through some digital form felt like a really natural place for this show to go.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I also love the reemergence of Elsie. I think yeah. that is like a really cool way to thread her back into the narrative, and I'm so excited she's alive. <laughs>
0: well, that's all, another thing that's crazy about this. There's like so much to talk about in this episode that. Elsie is alive
1: and she had like five power bars unwrapped I was like how long have you been She's there? doing really well on five
0: power bars in yeah. a bucket. I yeah. mean that is a, it's a tough situation. I was like girl your
1: hair looks good She's for doing how long great. you've been tied up
0: apparently She's doing fantastic so that's, that's really spectacular but that's a big reveal that we've been waiting on um, Shannon Woodward as Elsie I feel like she has been away from Westworld longer than she was on it. In fact I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, she misses is four episodes in season one. She gets captured at the end of episode six of season one. Here we are in episode four. That's seven episodes of Westworld that she misses, as opposed to the, to I guess, now the seven that she has appeared in. So
1: she's basically playing catch-up like everybody else is. Well, it's it's, it's, it's
0: va- I mean, she really is. Yeah, she he's like, is. Ford's gone. Yeah, it's, it's really funny to see like Bernard, like, trying to catch her and be like, the park's in trouble. Yeah. Ford's dead. And she's like, ah, this is not good. Yeah, uh, But that's such a major reveal and that's not even, like, the first thing I Think of when it comes to this episode.
1: Right, exactly. So there are a lot of layers. The man
0: in black's daughter is revealed that Kacha Herbers, who previously had been labeled as a character named Grace, clearly that was just a cover. Her name is Emily, as uh, I guess it's appropriate that we have an Emily on the podcast today. Which
1: makes me wonder when was this actually happening? Because Emily has been on like the newborn baby lists for the last 20 years or so. Right. <laughs> so we could date it back. No, yeah. I'm just <laughs> uh, I think
0: it's, it's probably a little bit further into yeah, the, in the future than, than today. Well, well, but, the way
1: that Emily's been staying on the list, you
0: by know, a good stretch, keep going by a good stretch. So, a lot going on in this episode. We'll dig into it all. Uh, but the reason why I brought up Lost to begin with is, and and Lisa Joy has uh, has come out and said that you know she wasn't herself a big Lost person. She had other stuff going on in her life at the time that it was airing. Um, but it's it's you know that sounds like a cop out. Do not mistake coincidence for fate. I guess. But this this introduction uh, here to the Riddle of the Sphinx. If you were a... A lost fan and if you made it at least through the the first few episodes of season two I feel like it would be really hard to not watch this opening scene and immediately think Desmond Hume and we're in the hatch and we're in the swan station and it's somebody who's like On an exercise bike There is a record playing Old school music Uh, You know it's just It's very evocative of that And so as soon as That scene started playing It's uh,
1: Rolling Stones playing right?
0: It's Rolling Stones that's playing And it's just immediately You're you're really in this Very different mood Than what we've been in In Westworld in the past Like the, the show is Very artfully mashing up The modern and the western And like the futuristic and the Western, you know, really like keeping those two worlds separate from each other in season two has really been bringing those to a head. But this, this, I don't know, this felt, it felt very, very different Right away uh, I don't know What was your initial reaction When you were watching This scene play I out I mean
1: when I saw William walk in With a bottle of liquor I immediately thought about How this is how you interact With your father-in-law <laughs> um, He says it's about time You know Where have you been And then you hand him A bottle of brown liquor That's, that's basically how that's it works That's typically How you guys interact But uh, you know Maybe you go off script A little bit more Than regular uh, A
0: little bit yeah. I mean we, we do stick To our loops You know He's yeah. like How are you doing How's work going And I try to explain to a carpenter who doesn't have the internet what I do for a living (laughs) which is be on the internet and never use my hands for anything else (laughs) that's why
1: they're so soft that's
0: why they're so soft and so delicate Uh, but there's (laughs) a lot of interesting imagery going on here we're in this you know kind of pristine white space there's a goldfish there's all of this incredibly intricate marble furniture Uh, we're crawling all over the room with this incredible camera movement that's just taking us all over the place there's a bed Uh, there's you know, we see the man's exercise. He's exercising. We see his feet on a bike. So we know that somebody's in here. The stones are playing in the background. Uh, and then a guy with a, with a, with a golden wedding ring shows up. He stops the music and we pan up and we see James Delos. We see Peter Mullen, uh, who I know you love from top of the lake. You are a top of the lake. Yeah,
1: fan. yeah, totally. He's seen, he's like so sinister and everything he's in
0: <laughs> that you've seen him in anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's a very pleasant I know. guy. He's probably a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're, we're starting to like kind of get like a day in the life of this guy, and for me, I was I was already starting to be a little suspicious because I think a few episodes ago when we first met this character, it was pretty quickly established that something is is amiss with him. He's sick. He's you yeah. Know, there's
1: like an imminent like end. He to talks us. to
0: William about it at the retirement party. Like some of us have more time to to wait than others, so it's it's worth starting to like wonder what's going on here. And I think that this show already engenders such a, such a sense of paranoia within the viewer that you can't help but watch a scene and see anybody if they're like somebody who's either new or newish like my immediate thought is just like all right i have to watch this scene in two ways yeah one where this person is a human and one where this person is a host uh so in in that i mean that's
1: smart that makes sense it does, but like at the
0: same time, like it's it's not great for your psyche because like you're just constantly second guessing everything that the show is putting in front of you.
1: Whereas but- I'm like looking at all the accessories. I'm like, <laughs> would I get that? I don't know. Where do you get that record player? That's nice. But
0: there, I mean, the the, the 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 sequence as it's playing out, like you know, it's very much just like kind of like a mundane day in the life. He's smoking. There's music in the background. He's eating an apple. He's peeing. He's gir- He's like you know gargling mouthwash while he's being he's doing other stuff we don't need to get <laughs> in there he's feeding the fish and finally uh right before he's about to receive a visitor he is going to pour himself some coffee and he has some trouble pouring milk into the yeah coffee.
1: and that was my first cue where i was like okay there was a bit of a shake and we know that he might have been sick so is that something that has to do with that Or is there some sort of malfunction? Like, that was the first cue for me where I was like, okay, what's up? Other than, like, the record player having, like, the little, like, you know maze
0: on it. Right.
1: The record itself. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. And I know if Joe were here, uh, she would be talking about the music because one of Joe's long-standing theories has been that the, uh, that the host's behavior is in some way tied to, like, the player piano you see in Sweetwater and some of the music that you see that there is, like, hidden code in some of that stuff that can subliminally affect the hosts. And I've always kind of been, like, a little bit out on that idea. Like, it just never really added up to me. But it, it, it struck me that one of the things that is part of this guy's loop is it seems like music is is playing if not all the time it's playing frequently
1: would you not say that music sort of inherently changes how people react in the real world yeah of course yeah
0: and music's a big part of the show not just in terms of like the uh like the sort of like the the mood and the atmosphere and just one of like the the many colors of the show but Uh, it's like
1: one way one more way of communicating with hosts
0: Potentially, potentially, at least I, I know that, that that's what Joe would be saying if she was here, So just to, just to, to represent that, that view. Um, but he has trouble putting the milk in, and milk is, of course, uh, evocative as well. We've had uh, hosts in the past like, I need more milk, Arnold, or... Uh, oh,
1: yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah,
0: so the great Stephen Ogg, who plays Rebus, like, drinking milk and then shooting people, uh, the, the, you know, the white fluid that the hosts are, are made with, the cortical fluid that Bernard needs so much, so There's just there's a lot here, certainly on the second watch that you can pick up on that really starts to clue you in a little bit to the fact that there is something, you know, we're in a loop right now. We are in an artificial creation right now. Um, And even on that first watch for me, just like being suspicious, like, all right, what's up? We getting we getting like human host type stuff at this point is that where we're going
1: yeah and then you watch William enter and you're like okay so obviously something's up right and just the fact
0: that like it's a very cagey scene and like yeah. it, and it ends kind of prematurely where like William shows up and it's just the the William my boy where the hell have you been and clearly dellas has been in isolation for a little while we get the offering of the whiskey it's a little early for William uh, dellas says a little forking late if you ask me uh, and and he gives him the, if you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering.
1: Ah, you did a really good impression, Justin. It's a very bad. I'm really impressed. It's a
0: very bad impression, Emily Fox. Did he
1: say forking?
0: No, he did not. I'm just trying to keep it PG or PG-13. Okay. Uh, but he's he's talking <laughs> about how uh, there's this you know there's this interview that's going on and they need a conversation that will give them something to refer back to and this is the interview. Um, and so I'm I'm wondering in this moment, uh, you know, if you know, in looking back on it, like I think that there's a lot that suggests that he's already a host in this moment but is the uh is the conversation that they're having here is that part of the loop is this the first conversation they've had I guess that you have to accept that he is a host in this scene because William is going to pass the paper to uh to Delis when he said like we're gonna have the exact same conversation and this seems a little right. far-fetched and yeah. William's like ah, and then he passes him the paper so right. I think whatever their first interaction was it seems like that's probably already happened
1: yeah this just feels like one more like methodical testing of, of figuring out Whether he's ready or not to go to the next level.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we know that there, you know, by the end of this, it's going to be 149 iterations. This feels like maybe iteration two, three, somewhere in there. Single dig.
1: It's impressive, though, because I think, I don't know. In my mind, I would assume that technology keeps like impressively moving on quicker than it does in you know sort of like the script of William being young William and William being old William at the end. You know, like 149 iterations doesn't. That's across
0: like like a couple of decades, probably. Right, I
1: know, but like, it takes a
0: little bit for Jimmy Simpson to become Ed Harris. I know, gotta be like twenty, thirty years. If
1: you've like gotten to this point with like recreating all of these other things, like you would think that maybe it would be a little bit faster track to making him. I don't know more of a sustainable like brain transplant host type person right I don't know though that's just me assuming without having any knowledge or mechanics oh actually well welcome
0: that. to welcome to Westworld where <laughs> that is all we do so you're here you're, you're fitting right yeah. in you're right I don't home.
1: know I'm surprised I feel like you should have a lot more tests uh over that span of time but maybe it's just me
0: well the fact that they are we're, we're skipping ahead a little bit but like Seems like every single time a test fails, they just burn the whole thing down,
1: which is also like kind of like a mess.
0: I guess like they want to, they want to like just like completely reset the conditions. You know, they want there to be like nothing that could possibly influence the test. Like they just want to start over. They want to well, be no.
1: It's like having a control group in an experiment. Exactly, I exactly. get it. It's I just get it. A
0: highly expensive thing. Like if that's what they're going to do, maybe cheaper furniture. Yeah. Although a man of Dallas's taste could probably pick it out. Like he needs to have a. Certain, this, is, this is an expensive project. This yeah. Is be an expensive you're right. Project. You're right. You're right. It's going to be an expensive project. Okay. So then we we end that first scene and we flash forward in time to the man in black and Lawrence are riding on their horses and Emily and I were watching this episode the other night together and <laughs> you were you were freaking out as uh, as we come across the people who are working on the railroad and they are just hammering people to death under. the... The track, and you were freaked out.
1: Well, I just said to you, wait, and, you know, this is pulled from like when the Chinese were brought in to build a lot of the railroads. Um, Chinese American immigrants came in and were primarily, uh, you know, hired to do that. And I was like, did they actually like hammer people into the tracks? <laughs> and you looked at me and you're like, Emily. The entire world has turned upside down. No. And I was like, but maybe I want to look that up because that really creeps me out. And I feel like that's not just like someone's like sick idea just for the show. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it was like, did
1: this actually happen? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I, I watched too much true crime. I yeah, you watch a lot of true crime.
0: That tends to be your, yeah. your genre. Uh, but no, it's it, you know <laughs> clearly like the hosts are malfunctioning in the park right now or the hosts are if not outright malfunctioning, they are now able to cause harm to uh, to the people that have caused harm to them. And sometimes that's other hosts. You know, it's not just hosts versus humans. There's some infighting that's going on this season as well. Uh, And Lisa Joy, again, who directed the episode, she uh, gave a Reddit AMA this week talking about the episode. And one of the questions that was asked in the AMA was, on the railroad, were the workers killing other hosts or humans? And Lisa Joy's answer to that was, they were killing anyone who was mistreating them while forcing them to build the railroad. So a mix of hosts programmed to do so for the narrative And guests who took advantage of that narrative So I think that that's an interesting detail And one that's worth kind of chewing on for just a little bit That it does strike me that, you know, heading into season two You kind of thought that it was just going to be like all right, now it's the host's time to like join together Rise up and go against the people Um, But it's more complicated than that
1: Yeah, definitely I mean, that's what I think I really love about this particular episode um, Seeing people go against each other that are hosts I think that that like, adds another layer. because Yeah, you get
0: that with like the Confederados. Yeah,
1: and you tend to be empathizing with all of these people that are put in perilous situations, and then you're like, wait, that's a robot. Should I feel bad?
0: You should! Yeah!
1: Feel bad for the robots! I mean, I love Dolores. And you I love Dolores, Mave, you so love so, like, them all. I get it. I get it.
0: Uh, but as as the man in black and Lawrence are, are riding through, they notice that the tracks are heading in the wrong direction. Uh, and it seems like uh, this is part of Ford's game. Uh, the man in black says... He he looks at this train track and and how it's like out of place. He says, it seems like Ford's game has multiple contenders and I didn't fully follow what he was saying there. Like, I didn't fully follow what he means by that um, and why he would take that as a sign. Um, I don't know. Th- was that something that you had picked up on at all? No, not, not really. really. Yeah, so...
1: I was too, I was too upset yeah. about <laughs>
0: people getting hammered <laughs> into a trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, this is where Joe would have the crackpot theory of exactly what's going on with that. But I think it's, at least, it's like a TBD thing. It's, it's interesting that it seems that the man in black feels like the the game, the door, the the thing that he is looking for, uh, there are multiple people looking for it. And he looks at the train tracks and he sees a reason why. And I couldn't really see that for myself. So uh, all CBD. right. CBD. Who knows? But uh, Lawrence and the Man in Black are going to decide that they need to go through uh, a different place in order to get to where they're going. And the place is going to be Lawrence's hometown. And at four, first Lawrence is like, yeah, there's nothing there. We don't need to go to that place. And I mean,
1: you're like, yeah, try again, Lawrence. The Man in Black's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, I
0: know where you're from. Like, We've yeah. done this before. Don't Pork worry about Lawrence. It. Yeah, I love I love Lawrence I'm a big Lawrence fan Uh, So we're gonna get to that In a little bit Before we get there uh, We get to uh, To the cave To the return Of Elsie And that is gonna be By way of Clementine With her just like Crazy Terminator walk uh, Now that she's You know She
1: is like Bone chilling She's
0: very Very frightening Yeah Uh, She's gonna grab uh, Bernard She you know Grabbed him at the end Of episode three And she's dragging him To this cave And such strength Such strength Well she's a robot you know, these robots have real robot strength. Uh, and she is, uh, she is dragging Bernard here. She unties him. She drops him. She leaves him behind with a rifle. And she walks off. Uh, so why she knew to do that... Is kind of hard to say It does seem, you know, we've, we've Seen it before already, uh, with the The way that the, uh, the Gus Fring robot Played out, uh, that Uh, the little Robert Ford boy From the first episode of little the Little Robert
1: Ford boy Young
0: Bobby Ford, <laughs> uh, that, that The late Robert Ford, Anthony Hopkins That he is still able to, to Communicate through some of these other hosts So I wouldn't be surprised, based on what we learned In these upcoming lab scenes If Ford's ghost in the machine. As it were, was driving Clementine in that moment, and probably relatively easily, considering Clementine was lobotomized last year and doesn't really have her personality anymore. That's true. Um, so Clementine leaves That's all we see of her In this episode And as Bernard Pushes into the cave There she is He sees Elsie And immediately She's like Why are you here Stay away And Bernard's like What What did I do I didn't do anything Poor Bernard He doesn't know What's like going on Playing
1: the fool Because he's like Totally you know Like manipulated A million different directions It's
0: not even He's playing the fool He's playing catch up You know yeah. he's, he's got a lot uh, A lot going on uh, He's got a lot That he has I to love catch up on him so much Yeah he's a great character. Jeffrey Wright does a killer job yeah, as the character. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice to have Elsie back in the mix here. She, uh, she's unchained. And once, uh, once she's free, she grabs the, the gun and holds it on Bernard and Bernard's you know, like uh, not understanding what's going on. And Elsie confirms what's happened to her. I think one of the most popular theories about Elsie, because we've been wondering forever, right. what happened to Elsie? You know, in the first season, we see the, the members of ghost nation, uh, Uh, Tackle Stubbs, tackle uh, Luke Hemsworth's character. And so I think a lot of people thought like maybe Elsie had like somehow like fallen into league with Ghost Nation and had reprogrammed them. And maybe they were, you know, uh, apprehending humans to keep them safe if they had caught wind of what was coming up with the robot revolution. Uh, Certainly that's something that Joe and I have talked about. But that is not to be. That is not the case. That is not what has happened here. She was just
1: in a cave with a bucket. Yeah, it
0: sucks. But I mean, it's kind of Fair uh, when you know in in The first season Bernard has like a flash Of what happened to Elsie And like he is very concerned That he hurt her because he has like this Quick glimpse of him choking Her out and so she says You choked me out so it's confirmation (laughs) You know sometimes what you see is what you Get on the show so you choked me out you Left me here with protein bars and a bucket Uh, And Bernard tries to tell her that This is all Ford Ford wrote a game We're all in it the hosts are free with no Constraints and no safeguards uh, and but he- it's
1: interesting she didn't get killed. Right, That's what I don't understand.
0: Well, I think, you know, it is interesting because Ford is, uh, you know, very clearly misanthropic. Like right. he has he has come to this place where he believes that the hosts deserve to find their way towards true sentience and consciousness and, and salvation and freedom, albeit not without a lot of suffering. And that attitude, certainly when he talks to like Teresa uh, before he kills her right. or the speech he gives to everybody before he allows himself to be a Was
1: Elsie just under the radar enough?
0: I wonder if it's that or if he thinks that One of the things that I'm wondering, you know, the game that he has set up for The Man in Black, is there some sort of idea that Ford has is like we're peeling back the layers on this mystery uh, and it's so easy to just kind of auto assume that Ford just wants supremacy for the hosts. Right? Is there any chance that like what Ford is after is a little more complicated than that and nuanced than that? And maybe what he wants is... to to get both sides to realize that they're on the same planet and they gotta coexist with each other Mm. and it's not about one's supremacy over the other so much as it's about cohabitation and I think that you've been seeing that with a lot of these different stories this season already or at least with one story in specific that comes to mind is Maeve and Sizemore uh, that it kind of feels like there's a little bit of like a meeting of the minds between those characters you know we saw in episode 3 as they were on their way to Shogun World and they're walking in the corridor and they're talking about like the things that they've lost along the way. And it feels like there is some element of like humans maybe beginning to understand hosts and hosts maybe have the opportunity to understand humans to some degree. And if that's the case and if that's something that Ford actively wants, it would make sense for me. Why he would have wanted Bernard to just get Elsie out of the way rather than to kill Elsie, because Elsie is somebody who's going to be empathetic and sympathetic towards the hosts. Yeah. Like she has expressed that in the past.
1: That's true, actually.
0: Um, And like maybe whatever it is he needs Bernard to do next, Elsie is going to be a really great lieutenant in that effort. But at the time that Elsie was trying to like solve things,
1: it was inconvenient for her yeah, yeah, like it
0: would, have, it would have accelerated things too soon. I got to interview Shannon Woodward for a THR this past week and one of the things she was talking about with that character, why she loves playing this character, is that Elsie is sort of this hero who if she had been allowed to do everything that she wanted to do, she would have busted this whole thing in the first season and everybody would have just like gone on to have dinner afterwards. Like she was so close. That's true. So I think if, if four feels like there is still utility to having Elsie around, but it was just very inconvenient to have her around in that moment. Let's get her out of the way. In fact, let's leave her in a place where I want Bernard to go, and then now their journeys are are joined.
1: Yeah, and she's like missed all of the insane bloodshed that's happened since.
0: Yeah, but she's got plenty of it coming up yes. in, in just a couple of minutes. So she's going to figure out that Bernard is a host here. He's going into cognitive lock. Uh, he's twitching. He's freaking out. And uh, when he shows her the tablet, she like it takes her a moment to realize like, but you rotated out. Where did you go? And you rotated out. You have a family. You have an ex-wife you've got a backstory and like it clicks for her. And it's another reason why that character is great. She's smart. She's whip smart. She knows what's up. I love
1: that moment.
0: It's great. It's really fun. So she, you know, even though she kind of has a grudge against him, now she knows it's a little more complicated. So she puts him into safe mode, works on him a little bit and he's going to come back online. And while he's sort of unconscious, we're going to see some like uh, flashes of stuff that's to come. You know, he's going to be seeing like blood in the white fluid and he's going to see like, uh, like a bucket of eyes dropping everywhere and the drone hosts and uh, these new like red little brain balls that are different from the white little brain balls. These look like red velvet cupcakes. (laughs)
1: Your terminology is incredible. It's hard to
0: know what's going on (laughs) on the show, especially thinking about it on the fly uh, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get there in, in full or detail so we don't need to linger on it right now yeah. uh, but when Bernard wakes up uh, he asks the, the great question is this now which is a very fair question considering that's this. what
1: I ask every 15 minutes I know. on this show <laughs> it's a
0: very yeah. hard show is to track now? and this show got a little complicated with the timeline that's coming up so we'll, we'll get into that uh, in, a, in a moment or you two you can also
1: say that about every episode yeah but there was <laughs> There was something that
0: happened in this episode that was really particularly confusing that even I'm kind of wrestling with. So we'll, we'll get, get there. That. We'll yeah. unpack it. Yeah. So he he has extensive cortical damage. Uh, she says, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you shot yourself. So again, boom, mystery solved. We've been wondering why Bernard has been twitching and just like kind of like going out of control, and now it makes so much sense. And I should have just like put that together. He shot himself in the head in the penultimate episode of the first season. Ford made him do it. Yeah. And then Maven everybody brought him back online. But obviously, like, that was just like a Band-Aid. It's like you put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole in your head. I don't care if you're a robot. You're going to have some trouble. That's going to be a <laughs> difficult thing to come back from. Uh, so once again, Elsie just shows up and immediately has the answers. Great to have her back. Yes. Uh, so uh, she's altered the code to ignore the physical damage for now, but she's, she says he's not going to last long without cortical fluid. Uh, luckily, that's you know just in this lab. That's beyond this cave entrance here. Uh, neither of them know that that exists. Exists yet. She's gonna leave him here and she's just gonna go out and wait for the cavalry to arrive and save everybody in the park. And this is when Bernard fills her in like nobody's nobody's coming. Nope. That's not happening. (laughs) Uh, There's something here that Delos wants and they they are not coming here until that is safely secured. They don't give a fork about any of us (laughs) like they do not care at all. Uh, So they're going to team up for a little while longer. Um, They're going to He's going to be able to convince her to stick around because there's nothing around here for miles. Uh, And as he's kind of talking to her and she's talking back to him, Bernard has this sort of weird temporal shift where he sees a previous version of himself, walking around and like walking around with a lot of confidence, sort of like in that mechanical way, um, because clearly he knows where he is going. He's this is, been
1: programmed for it. Yeah.
0: This is a version of Bernard that Bernard doesn't fully remember. But now that he is able to start the process of accessing his memories, he's able to see this a little it's bit It's
1: like the ultimate deja vu.
0: A little bit. Yeah. And so Bernard walks into the cave. There's going to be like a secret entrance in the cave that Elsie's like, there's nothing here. Trust me. I've been here for like seven weeks so, uh,
1: can I tell you something? Yes, of course. So the, the name of this entire episode is called Riddle of the Sphinx. That's right. I was looking this up just for fun, thinking I was going to hop on the IMDB page for the ap- actual episode. I found out there was a video game for PC that was first created in 1982, but then put on regular computers in near 2000, called Riddle of the Sphinx. okay. And it's about a young archaeologist who searches for his or her missing mentor in Egypt. Huh. And the gameplay is similar to any game in post-MIST style. Oh, you love Mist. I know, where players navigate 360 panoramic screens and manipulate items to advance. Interesting. Does that not fit into like this incredible like moment where he's like, hmm, I'm just gonna like walk over here and touch some like stalagmites? Yeah, no, that's funny. It yeah.
0: does kind of have a feel of an adventure game yeah. in this moment where it's like Click here. Yeah, like, exactly. What What do you want to do with this? Knock on door twice. Yeah, I'd
1: be interested to know <laughs> how many people actually have played this game, because I never ran across it myself, but maybe, you know, I was a big Mist fan. Okay,
0: so uh, just going to take this opportunity to sidebar and say that there needs to be a choose-your-own-adventure Westworld video game made immediately. Uh, HBO already has a relationship with Telltale Games, because Telltale made a choose-your-own-adventure Game of Thrones game. Yeah Gotta do it
1: I mean, I was joking Westworld
0: game, write self.
1: I was joking with you the other day that it made me want to play The Sims
0: Yeah <laughs> Well, there's a big video game quality what does that to Westworld What say about us? It says do We just
1: want to manipulate, like, beings
0: I don't know, I mean, I guess it depends on what you were planning on doing in The Sims
1: I usually just tried to create, like, really nice nuclear families Okay And, like, big, beautiful houses Well, that's
0: better than nuclear war You're right. Which is something that, you know, the man in black might do if you were playing The Sims. He seems like a pretty dangerous guy. That's true. Uh, So Bernard is going to find that there is a cave here. There's a facility in the cave, uh, and he is going to once again have these kind of flashes as he sees himself Opening the door, they go inside, and when they get inside this lab, there is a whole mess of dead people in here, all sorts of dead people. Bernard has no idea what's going on. Elsie has no idea what's going on. Uh, certainly, we will get an answer to what happened to these people by the end of the episode, which is very gnarly. Wheel indeed. of misfortune. Yeah, it's a bad. <laughs> it's a, yeah, that was a bad way to go. I was like, oh, yeah, it was very graphic, almost unnecessarily so. But you know, what are you gonna do? Like there must have been just like easier cleaner ways of killing all of these people but the drone hosts seem to have like a really good time getting creative with just like shoving people onto spikes
1: how did the drone hosts stay so clean there was a lot of bloodshed, and they were like pure white still.
0: They just like have like auto spray cleaner on their bodices. I'm not sure how it works. But speaking of a drone host, Bernard is going to have <laughs> more of a flashback. He's going to see himself like building one of the red velvet cupcake brains. He's going to be presiding over the drone host.
1: This is making me hungry.
0: Yeah, we'll eat afterwards. <laughs> okay. uh, and so, so when he snaps back into, into reality, uh, Elsie is going to be face to face with one of the drone hosts. And she has never seen one of these things things before. And Bernard had not been aware of these things in terms of like his his cognizance uh, until relatively recently. And so he has learned that if you don't threaten it, it's not gonna hurt you. So of course, Elsie threatens it and shoots it in the face.
1: But that's a very human thing to do, I think, especially when you walk into that kind of carnage.
0: Yeah, I think you know she's been she's on she's on high alert right now. Yeah. She's just you know not not really in the mood to to trust any of these uh, these hosts. It's also not. like
1: the most terrifying looking thing. It looks like someone who came right out of like a fencing like match. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good point. Except like if it was like. Also, like, merged with, like, one of, like, the monsters from Prometheus or something like (laughs) that. Like, just super jacked.
1: And it's like, can you see me? I don't know. Yeah.
0: You know that that's not, uh, it's not, like, CGI. It's not motion capture or anything. That's uh, practical effect. The drone hosts are, like, there's a guy in a suit who is who is walking around. Oh, I that. don't like that. I think it's cool. I think that's, that's really amazing. It's very, very impressive. They
1: got some professional fencers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're yes. like, here, just change your helmet. <laughs> if there is a fencing
0: scene coming up with the drone host, we can plant that down here as like your official theory of the podcast. <laughs> I'm
1: so excited yeah. if that happens. Well, well,
0: that'll, that'll Guess
1: be... what? Not going to happen. No.
0: <laughs> drone host fencing, co- fencing competition. I'm looking forward to it. If you guys Maybe... are
1: listening, this is what I want to see.
0: If there's like a medieval world or anything like that, you know, Ooh. that could be, uh, that would be, that would be very good.
1: Well, let's get to Shogun's Yeah, first. we'll get
0: to Shogun World first. But, okay, so she kills the drone host. And I wonder, like, she survives the moment, she survives the encounter right now, and everything is fine. But has she just, like, burned the drone host bridge? Like, if she's to encounter drone hosts in the future, now she just, like, automatically on their shit list.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Makes me nervous. Yeah. Makes, makes me nervous because there's, there's a couple of reasons why, even though we just got her back, I'm a you little being I'm a little nervous for Elsie. We'll talk about that in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, so Bernard is going to get that very much needed cortical fluid injection uh, from Elsie. Elsie is going to ask him if he had anything to do with the project. And he's like, I don't know. I don't think so. But like he kind of probably thinks that he did because he's experiencing some of these flashes so yeah you probably did Couldn't she just like look that up too? Maybe no the records are like so under wraps like there's so much going on here but that is
1: Elsie if- she's good at this
0: Maybe if she can start digging around to know where to look, hopefully, that'd be great. Though that's another reason for the narrative to kill her yeah. off. That she's so hyper competent that like maybe got to get her out of here. Otherwise, she's just going to solve the show before the show is, you know, yeah. ready to end.
1: Cursed with competence.
0: I know that's the that's the thing. Uh, she's going to ask him, is Ford in control of you now? And he's like, Ford's dead. Yeah. And she's like, ah, F me. Fork me. Uh, She injects him (laughs) with the fluid And we are out of the Bernard story For the next little while Uh, And we have a quick side trip to seeing uh, The character who at the time We thought was Grace By the end of the episode we will know that she is Emily, the man in black's daughter And she has been captured by Ghost Nation as well A bunch of other human guests have been captured By Ghost Nation Really fun easter egg is that two of the human Prisoners here are two of the Human guests that you see in The pilot, the very first episode of Westworld it's the husband and wife who uh, who kill Rodrigo Santoro uh, Who kill Hector yeah. During uh, like the climactic speech He's about to give in the bank robbery That Sizemore had written for him and Sizemore's like Oh come on! So it's karmic Right and so that guy like shot, shot him And then shoots Armistice and they're laughing at how She's like wriggling on the ground and everything like that So those characters are back in the park They've been captured by Ghost Nation Got to imagine something much worse Will befall them eventually they're able to make it out of This episode alive uh, but we get An interesting detail here uh, uh, both from Stubbs and from Emily, where Stubbs, who's been observing the the Ghost Nation hosts for a little while, has noticed that they're not killing humans. They're killing other hosts, but they're not killing humans. Um, so that's something to, to wonder about. What if about. they're
1: going to set up their own world where they make all the humans act everything out and they take advantage of all of them?
0: Well, I mean, again... I I wonder about this idea, like, is there some sort of peace between humans and hosts that are uh, that's being negotiated here? Maybe Ghost Nation is not without
1: more bloodshed,
0: not without more bloodshed, of course. But Ghost Nation is actively not killing these people. They've you know, they've got them uh, captured and they have them like tied to sticks and everything. So it's not comfortable, but they're not killing them. Um, So it's just something to to, to wonder about. Uh, And then another detail we get here is that Emily can speak the language. Uh, She speaks Lakota. She speaks what Ghost Nation speaks. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's an Easter egg right there. I'm yeah. Like, ooh, that little nugget of information. That's really interesting.
0: Well, I think what it tells you, and I spoke with Katja Herbers about the, the big reveal in this episode that she is Emily, is that she is somebody who, you know, she says here that she, you know, most people when they come to Westworld, they ignore the narratives, but I don't like other people very much.
1: Yeah, I love that. So
0: she is somebody who's really immersed herself in host culture, obviously, somebody who has, like, taken the time to, like, really consider them as, uh, as their own beings. Uh, And we even see uh, a couple of episodes ago when we see Emily as a little girl at the retirement party and she walks up to Dolores and she says, you're very pretty. And it's it's just like a very like sweet human way of relating to one of these hosts that I think that they're uh, what I kind of mistook as um, as like sort of like a holier than thou attitude towards the hosts in her first appearance in episode three. That she's drawn to it. I think it's, it's that she's drawn to it, that she respects them, that she is skeptical of the humans that have created this project. Like, you know, the reason why she doesn't want to sleep with a host in episode three, it's less about that she hates the hosts and probably more knowing who her father is, knowing the man in black and knowing what he's been involved in. Now that we know about Dayla's doing this data collection and, uh, you know, much worse potentially with like potentially widespread immortality efforts that Emily like knows that like if I sleep with a host or interact with them too much, they're collecting my shit.
1: I didn't think about that being the DNA that they were collecting. Yeah, man. Gross.
0: Yeah. Yes. So sorry. Yes. And I
1: was like, oh, if you like skinned your knee when you were running away from something. Ah, uh,
0: Emily, you are so innocent. Like I the really young are. Emily who approached Dolores <laughs> in episode two. That's so
1: embarrassing. It's, who am I? <laughs> you, you,
0: you are. You kick me off now. No, you, you are an incredible human being. <laughs> uh, so I, just, I was like,
1: how would they get it? Maybe a quick swab in their mouth before they enter into their costume? No.
0: So I think wow, a, a, unbelievable. a couple of great details there that we are getting from Emily, uh, both Emily, <laughs> the character and Emily, <laughs> Emily my wife. Uh, so we, we go back with the man in black and Lawrence and they go back to Lawrence's village. And this whole sequence is just going to play out spectacularly uh, in um, the way that it really mirrors the first time we were here in season one, when the man in black came here and he shoots up all of Lawrence's cousins and he you know, dances with Lawrence's wife and then shoots her. Her. Uh, like all of this plays very similarly except now the man in black is in a uh, position of inferiority, or at least it seems that way. He's captured. Uh, and he is now watching a lot of like the same bad behavior he inflicted upon these types of people being inflicted upon them from an outside perspective. And you can tell he's just like he's sick about it. Yeah. He, he doesn't I, like I, it.
1: he's like more of a woke William in this like, you know, series of events. Something's happening with yeah. him.
0: Something's happening with him. And I think this episode gives us some really good clues about that. Uh, but when they get here, you know, they sit down. And they're like Something. Something is wrong. Nobody's here. The bartender shows up. He's more nervous than usual. And the man in black's like, "You're not usually this nervous this early on. So what's going on?" And that's when we see Jonathan Tucker as Major Craddock, and he's he's here with the other Confederados who Teddy refused to kill, who he refused to execute. Ah,
1: oh, Teddy. In retrospect, Teddy maybe you should have killed these guys. I know Dolores was just like what are you doing? Like
0: maybe these guys you could have killed. Like yeah. these guys seem like bad guys You could have killed the bad guys. Yeah. It's worth killing the bad guys. You're not going to piss off Dolores. I really do love Teddy. Who though. doesn't love Teddy? Teddy's I the best. But uh, I, I loved this part where uh, where the man in black is like wow someone took a chunk out of you boys. What happened to the rest of you? And Craddock says that they were double crossed by someone named Wyatt. Uh, and the man in black kind of smirks and goes good for her. You know, we know that, like, I, I feel like uh, the man in black, he still, he still has a soft spot for for Dolores after everything. How could you not? You know, well, he's got reason to not. <laughs> to not. I mean, he's got, he's very upset. He's are trying upset. to tell
1: me that there's a sordid history between the two of them? There's that?
0: a little bit of a past. A little <laughs> bit of a past. Uh, but William and Lawrence, they're going to get tossed into this church where, yeah. where Craddock is just going to be, like, puffing his chest. He kills the leader of the town. He doesn't want to make any deals. He wants the weapons. He knows that they were all rebels, so give me the weapons we're going off on a mission give it to all of us Lawrence says they're going to kill us anyway I know where the guns are let's go sneak out of here and get them and kill all these people and the man in black has a different idea He says I know where the guns are and Lawrence like what are you doing yeah don't just tell them that (laughs) Uh, the man in black says they're in an unmarked grave out back uh, let's, let's go get him. Let's make a deal. And Crack goes like, that's not exactly like the best way to start a deal. It's like you giving up all of your information. And the man in black says, that's not all I've got. I know, I know something you don't, I know where you're going. You've been telling your men, you know, but you don't.
1: Wow. You sound so much like him. Just
0: place you think about in your dreams. Do
1: you ever think about auditioning? You call
0: it glory, but oh. it has a lot of names and I know the way.
1: You just, like, aged yourself so much in, like, a really, like, hot old William (laughs) way.
0: (laughs) Just shave uh, the top of my head and dye the rest of it gray, and I will wear black forever, and I will be the man in black. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the the schlubby...
1: Where it takes Blogger like, body, it takes man like
0: in four black. Four tries to get on your horse, and then you're yeah. like, "Ow!" Like, all right, I'll walk.
1: My hands are so soft. How anyone, do I hold on to the reins? Does
0: anyone have a car? Uh, all right, so <laughs> at, at this point, we cut back to uh, to the scenes that are happening with with James Delos, and this is when we find out uh, what you know, what maybe you're suspecting already that this is this is not. Delos, as we traditionally know him, this is a host body that they are, uh, clearly they're trying to map consciousness onto a host body. He, he hands him over the script. It has the script of the exact same conversation that they've been having. And Delos is like, amused by it uh like he's kind of excited by it it's working it's worked like we've figured it out uh and it's been seven years at this point is what we come to learn and the the art department the makeup department really uh it's it's a really great job on their part if you look at jimmy simpson like they've shaved a little bit behind his ears to like make it uh look like his his hair is thinning out so he's getting closer to ed harris like it's a little bit grayer so he looks just like subtly older yeah it's cool
1: yeah I'm impressed.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You got nothing else? You got nothing else on uh, the hair and makeup? I don't know.
1: Do I think Jimmy Simpson and, you know, Ed Harris look that similar? All right. Okay. I'm going to be one of those people where I'm like,
0: ah! Here you are shading the best episode of Westworld. No, People just no. like shaking their fists at their phone.
1: Where's Joe? I'm sorry.
0: I'm so <laughs> no, sorry. No, you're doing a fantastic job. Thanks. You're doing a spectacular Thanks. job. Thanks, okay. Uh, but we we go through it a little bit more where Delos is talking about, uh, you know, like, where am I? I'm not in California. And, and William says, if you can't tell, does it matter? And Delos is like, all right, well, let's get out of here. I'm ready to smoke my cigars and sail my boat and fork my wife. And he's like, mm. He's like, yeah, about that. So the last part isn't an option and uh, uh, William catches him up and says, yeah, your wife has passed away. It was a stroke. Uh, She's been buried and uh, your daughter is fine and your granddaughter is great, whip smart, very capable. That bears out based on what we've seen of Emily. And uh, and Delos wants to leave, but it's not that simple. William is—they're—they're they're not done. They, he needs a little bit longer to observe him, and uh, and and Dallas is not—not not thrilled about that. He says they've been poking me and prodding me ad infinitum. I, I don't want—I'm not being worn out. I feel brand new. I'm ready to get out and see the sun, get some fresh aid. Yeah. <laughs> that part is so sad, I thought. Well, it's
1: really he sad. Can't, you know, he can't
0: use his words.
1: It's really sad. I mean, I think that, that you know, you, it touches upon sort of like an overall trope that, you know, this show, you know, does a really great job of talking about is aging. And like being brought to a world where like things are different and you don't have control over a lot of things, even though you think that you do. Right. And so him realizing that his wife is gone. That's so heartbreaking, even if he is a host at this point, right? Like, it's it's very sad, and, like, you want to, you know, root for him maybe being, like, put back into, like, general population, but at the same time, you're like, is that safe? Yeah. Are we really
0: understanding what the scope
1: of that could be? Yeah it's really messed up. I mean, it's, it's, it's very pet cemetery.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it it, it kind of is honestly. Uh, And that's another thing that Shannon Woodward talked about uh, again, to skip ahead a little bit, but like the scene where Elsie confronts this thing with Bernard. And like, she said, like what she wanted to convey, there was kind of like this death of innocence for the human existence. Right. uh, Where like, she's looking at this, this man and like wondering, like, are you, a, are you even a man? And, and B like, you are innocent enough that, like, I don't know that I should kill you, but, like, I don't know that I can let you live. Right. And, like, that's the tension of what this experiment is. It's like, it's not the fault of the creature that is created necessarily. Although maybe it is like if it's it it depends on like is the experiment more about like involuntarily extending the lives of people or is it is this just going to be something that's a a, pet project or if it's going to be something that's available to just like rich blowhards who deserve uh, nothing but the worst if they're trying to cheat death.
1: I mean we've watched Barbara Streisand clone her dogs so you know know. but like I also wonder if that same sentiment is like clear with hosts who are taking humans captive like are you okay to keep alive? Should I be threatened? What's the move here?
0: Yeah, there's the morality of the hosts that's very much in play this season. Yeah. Um, anyway, so William is able to convince uh, his father-in-law that he'll come back tomorrow. Of course, he will not. He leaves and he's the, like set it flame. Yeah, same problems before. Let's light it up. Let's burn it up. And as I think we've discussed, like I th- I, it makes sense to me why that's happening. Uh, like I think that they want to just like do a different control. Although maybe like like, I don't know, auction some of that stuff off? Like, could you, like, sell some of that merchandise?
1: Can't you just, like, do a deep clean? <laughs> I, I don't
0: know. Well, what if there's just something that he, like, I don't know, if he, like, uh, etched something into a wall and like he sees it in a future build, he's like, oh my god, I'm sending messages to myself. I'm not what I think I am. Oh,
1: I guess that's true.
0: You know, there's just, like, all of that. Like, I think you just have to completely control the goldfish, The goldfish,
1: like, you know, does, like, a cool trick.
0: The goldfish, by the way, obviously a robot. Robot goldfish confirmed. I know.
1: I started feeling bad for the goldfish and then I was like, right, Emily, this is all
0: fake. Yeah, it starts floating upside down and immediately they're just like, boop, and they like reboot it and it's floating right side up again.
1: It looks just like a goldfish I used to have.
0: I mean, the goldfish memory is like not much better than <laughs> the host memory until, you know, recent events. So, uh, But anyway, I think that's, that's why all of that's going on. Uh, the next scene that we get is it's back with the man in black and he's watching Craddock who has now all of the weapons and the dynamite and the nitroglycerin And Craddock is a total weirdo He's like getting like Is he getting drunk on this stuff or is he getting drunk on other stuff? And he's just like pouring people shots of nitroglycerin and being a total turd. He's definitely doing that. He is kind of the worst. Jonathan Tucker's a great actor, but he like plays a turd very, very well. (laughs) Sinister. He's a very sinister turd. Uh, And he's like going to he's going to put a shot glass in the bartender's hand and it's going to have the nitroglycerin in it. And of course, like immediately, like, you know where this is going. Like, he's just going to shoot that guy's hand and he's going to make him explode. And I guess I was just surprised that the guy didn't explode. That was the only thing that surprised me about that moment once he made him start walking.
1: I felt really, really bad for that guy in that moment. He was so nervous.
0: He was very nervous. And whoever that actor is, I don't have his name in front of me. He, like, portrayed that, like, kind of, like, sad sack quality mm-hmm. really, a really shaky well.
1: Hand. Yeah,
0: he just, like, kind of had, like, this sad, like, pouty face. And then when he turns around, he kind of looks excited, like, hey, I did it. And it's like, hey, you've got no hand. Yeah. I've shot your hand off. Yeah. Uh, and this is, like, it's this is the real tell is that the man in black is watching this from a distance. And he's just, like, when the hand gets shot off, even the man in black kind of coils or he's yeah. like, ugh, yeah. ugh. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, next scene we get, we go back to Ghost Nation. Uh, and this is when they're all taken to the first of us is the person that uh, is being referred to. And uh, this is the the same man who is played by Zon McLaren, uh, who is Hansi Dent from Fargo season two, which I know, Emily, you did not watch. But great character on that show. I and take
1: your word for it. Yeah.
0: So really great actor to have in the mix here. But the context that we've seen him in before is we saw him in um, the, the scene in season uh, in episode two of this season when Logan is being sold on the idea of the park. He is one of the salesmen uh, who is there with Tallulah Riley's character. And so now we're seeing him in this very, very different context. But I think it's interesting that he is being referred to as the first of us. So he is clearly the first Ghost Nation host and he is somebody who seems to have a pretty long memory. Um, you know, Emily is going to escape. Uh, and and after she escapes uh, the first of us, he's going to he's going to kneel beside Stubbs and whisper to him in English. He's going to say, you live only as long as the last person who remembers you. Uh, which,
1: That's such a like a, a hardcore moment. Yeah. I did you that. have
0: any interpretation of like I what wanna, that like, meant? I want to
1: cross stitch it and frame it and put it in our apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I think. It- <laughs> Well, it's th- not a normal reaction. I'm sorry. But I think
0: it it, teth- it tethers well with this idea that's being explored here of uh, of eternal life and like, what is the cost of eternal life? And like, do you have to live forever in order to live forever? Or can you find other ways to, to have impact? Uh, so I mean
1: that 's like something that people talk about every single day in real life, yeah,
0: like ancestry and yeah. like lineage and questions about that so yeah. uh, that's all that 's all really compelling, and of course, then Ghost Nation just ghosts on all <laughs> of the humans, uh, a ghost exit uh, if if you will they just they just bail uh, and they leave all the humans alive, so again, like what are they doing like what is their purpose here? unclear, excited to find out, yeah. No theories.
1: I don't know. I, I, it's all very complicated, and I'm sure it will suss itself out over the next few episodes. But um, really compelling stuff. I love it. I think it's so cool.
0: So we go back to Bernard and Elsie. Bernard has uh, has been infused with a pint of uh, a pint or so of the good stuff, as Elsie says. Love that sweet, sweet cortical fluid. <laughs> Take a shot of that, (laughs) chase it with some nitroglycerin, and he'll be right as rain. Disgusting. Very gross. Uh, So he's he's back up to speed. Elsie says, I don't trust you, but I need your help. They start looking around. They start digging in. And Bernard is seeing uh, the data that he is seeing is very similar to what he has seen in Abernathy's head. Peter Abernathy. He had that moment in episode three where he looked at what was inside the guy's head. And it referenced a database much bigger than anything he knows that's in the park. Um, now he's starting to admit that like, I feel like maybe I have been here before I think Ford sent me here Um, I get lost in my memories though So I'm not really sure what's going on And Elsie says like yeah I saw that while I was staying around In the code like your memories are drifting around And you don't know You're
1: not able to like sequentially put them together You don't know if
0: you're here or there or anything else Like that and like as she's saying that Like it's happening again it is happening again Uh, (laughs) And he you know He drifts back in time a little bit He sees like a new body that is Being printed a new control unit that's being printed, more of those red velvet cupcake brains that are being created, uh Rambaldi devices if you're I an to alias fan. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's sugary sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh and so he he knows that he's been here recently. Uh, He he thinks he knows what they were doing. He thinks that they were building. They weren't quite building hosts. They were building something else. Same hardware, but the code is different. Um, And he and Elsie start like traveling deeper into the lab and Elsie sees a door Uh, and Bernard tries to stop her from going through the door. But then he starts to realize he's not here with Elsie anymore. And this is where I'm a little bit confused in terms of the timeline, uh, because Elsie is like going towards the door. She can't hear him because he's once again like drifting away. And is he now drifting to like a moment where he knows is is he drifting to a moment that like Elsie isn't here because like he's seeing like something Else, like, is like a further future version of Bernard re experiencing meeting up again with Elsie in this past iteration. Oh, and like is Bernard actually is there like another layer of timeline that Bernard is tracing right now as he's walking through here whether it's like that you know further future that we know that Bernard is going to be out you know up and about for with like Carl Strand and Stubbs and everybody in that timeline which by the way we don't see Elsie in any of those future scenes right, exactly. so what has happened to her um, it's all
1: it, part of the mental maze that he's in
0: it's even it's like it's hard for me to like conceptualize or Articulate exactly what it is I'm trying to, to to convey here, but I feel like there's there's there are obviously two layers of time within this one scene. There is Bernard when he is with the drone hosts and the scientists and creating the stuff and he's right. gonna kill the scientists. Yes. And then there's Bernard with Elsie like surveying the carnage and everything. And I'm proposing that it is possible that there is a third layer of time that is further ahead of both of those timelines that Bernard is looking back. And that is why Elsie can't speak to him here. Oh, I love that. I don't know. It seems so complicated. And this show is already so damn complicated that like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, So, so hopefully not, but it's just something that that stuck with me. So I feel like worth tossing it out there.
1: Yeah. I love that. Another layer. Why not?
0: So Elsie is going to open the door. She's going to go inside against Bernard's best wishes. Against
1: everybody in the entire audience's wishes.
0: It's literally the horror movie trope, right? Like,
1: don't go in there. Yeah, yeah. And she's she's like, no, you know what? I'll just open this and (laughs) (laughs) Ah, we'll be
0: fine. We'll be fine. Everything's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So anyway, so that's what's going on there. We will catch back up with them. Uh, First, (laughs) we have this incredible scene uh, of uh, the man in black who is going to be watching Craddock just be like, even more of a sinister he is just, you know, he's he's uh, he's torturing Lawrence, he's kicking Lawrence's butt in the rain, he's trying to feed him the nitroglycerin, then Craddock is just like, you know, pounding drinks and getting, getting drunk uh, and the man in black just wants him to stop, he's like, that's not my friend, but you're wasting my time, let's just go uh, and Craddock is like, really um, underestimating the man in black, says, I've known men like you, all the death, it makes you agitated, but don't worry me and death we go way back and he starts to go into this whole spiel about how like death is an old amigo of mine I died recently but death can't bear to lay a claim on me and he's like really being braggadocious he's dancing with Lawrence's wife the same way that the man in black danced with Lawrence back in the first season with Lawrence's <laughs> the man in black and Lawrence did not dance that's a deleted scene say, you should get the DVD <laughs> I misspoke uh, (laughs) That was a great scene Uh, When the man in black and Lawrence's wife were dancing Before the man in black shoots her in front of Lawrence which is obviously like a really forked Up thing to do Uh, And so now he's like kind of like being Served a taste of his own medicine or at least Being um, offered a chance To see a reflection of himself which I think Is an interesting concept considering what William said to Dolores at the end Of season two uh, or Episode two of season two rather uh, Where he's saying like that, you know, you're not even a thing. You're a reflection. That's what everything is here. It's reflections. There's nothing that anybody likes more than reflection. And I think he's really yeah. coming to like, uh, to that's like, deep. to like stew on that idea that this is a reflection. And like, it's a, a, a twisted thing that he is seeing in the yeah, mirror. You've
1: played this game so many times, but how is it playing you?
0: Right. And like, now that you're seeing, like you're, you're, you've, ha- you have finally decided that you're playing a different game and like, uh, that's great, but is it a little late? Like this one good deed as, as the, as the little girl is going to say in just a little while like does that undo all of these terrible things that you've done uh regardless he's at least acknowledging like that this is all disgusting and as he's watching all of this and he's watching Craddock force Lawrence's wife out into the rain with the nitroglycerin in her hand uh, the man in black starts flashing back and thinking back upon his own wife's death, uh, which we, you know, come to know as a suicide. Uh, and he's going to to the bath, and it's running water there, and that running water is, in his mind, blending together with the running water we're seeing. With
1: the rain. With the rain yeah. and
0: everything. And then comes, like, the greatest man in black moment yet, uh, where he gives him the whole, like, you think death favors you, that it brought you back? Death's decisions are final. It's only the living that are in concept wavering. They don't know where they are or what they want. Death is always true. You haven't known a true thing in all your life. You think you know death but you don't. And Craddock's like, oh really? You don't think I know death? And Manif- <laughs> like, yeah. You didn't recognize him sitting across from you this whole time. And then he breaks the bottle, stabs it in his neck God. and this incredible action scene just plays out that is just so well choreographed.
1: Yeah, it is really well choreographed. Uh,
0: in that Reddit AMA Lisa Joy talks about how this was probably her favorite scene to shoot in the episode. I believe her exact uh, let me see if I can yeah, uh, her exact quote of why this was her favorite scene was Ed Harris killing a bunch of mother forkers in the rain is right up there. Like that does seem like a fun day on set
1: yeah absolutely seems like
0: that would be a good time so that all plays out the man in black is going to save everybody in the town lawrence is going to get the honors of shooting uh major craddock he's going to blow him up you would like to think that that's probably the end for major craddock (sighs) sadly no i mean i think it's it's likely it's not like an unlikely possibility that that is it like it's hard to come back from an explosion that being said, uh, in season one, Maeve and Hector burned themselves completely and uh, burned their bodies to ash, and then were rebuilt from the ground up, and that was their way of like trying to sneak out of the park. So we have seen it before that as long as like your backups or whatever are are still intact. Uh, they can build new shells for you. like They can build new control units. So it's not impossible that Craddock could come back.
1: That's why it's always important to have an external hard drive.
0: Indeed, right. Back it up. Uh, <laughs> just like the Man in Black did when dancing with Lawrence. Uh, but I just I don't think that there's a great reason for Craddock to come back. So uh, pour one out, pour a bottle of nitroglycerin out, be careful where you pour it out, be a safe distance away, maybe from like a very high balcony. Is what you want to do. In case of explosions, is what I'm saying, Emily. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Another Ed Harris scene, but a very different Ed Harris scene and a great Ed Harris. Are you going to do scene. his voice again? Oh, but, uh, don't I make really, me self conscious. I have to read the dialogue.
1: I really loved you in stepmom. <laughs>
0: I am personally more fond of my work in Milk Money. Again, it all comes back to the milk. It's all about the milk. Damn, we gotta right. go back and rewatch Milk Money for the for the clues about the Man in Black. Uh, but we, you know, we're going through the same sequence with Delos, uh, and he has another visitor, and this time it's William again, but it's William as we first met him. It's the it's the Ed Harris incarnation of the character. It's the Man in Black, and it's so odd to see him in like. Civilian context right he's got like almost a goatee like he's got like a like a like a nine o'clock shadow forget five we're a little late in the day. <laughs> Nine to five. Yeah. It's a little late, don't you mean? Uh, and Dallas takes a moment to know who this guy is, like who the fork are you? And and William says, it's been a long time, Jim. And that's when uh, James Dallas doesn't have the same issues that you have. He knows that Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris look at least vaguely alike. So he's able to recognize. I just
1: want makeup to like give Ed Harris like a mole or two. I think the
0: other thing, <laughs> too, is you are very protective of uh, of Jimmy Simpson as Liam McPoyle. You are an underreported story is that Emily Fox loves. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I know it's such a good show. It's a great show. It's a show that you love very, very much milk. <laughs> yeah. McPoyle, the McPoyles love milk. There's we got it. We wow. we've got our work cut out for us when we get out yeah. of here. Uh, but this is this is a really intense scene because he catches him up again. He's kind of talking him through everything, uh, you know, uh, of, of what's been going on. Um, Della seems to be like kind of like choking on his words. A little bit earlier in the conversation Maybe that's because there's like some cognitive dissonance With the fact that he's talking to a much Older version of William um, But uh, William talks about how like he's Feeling what the engineers have described As a cognitive plateau where the mind Is stable for a few hours Even a few days uh, and then it Starts to fall apart every time uh, At first they thought it was the Mind rejecting the new body like an Organ when it's not a perfect match but It's like the mind itself is rejecting reality it's rejecting itself uh and this is when William reveals that this was the this is the 149th time they have done this uh that they have tried this experiments uh where we're getting closer to working out the kink slowly but surely you're on day 35 now and only starting to degrade and in another year or two we might be able to crack it but he's not so sure anymore William isn't so sure that this is the way to go
1: yeah well, you know, that speaks to what we said earlier where it's like are you really supposed to live forever? You know? It's a it's a really deep deep issue and I kind of love that there's that complication that they can't quite figure out the kinks that involved. You know what I mean?
0: Well, we know that um so where we are in the timeline now, in terms of the man in black and Delos in this scene, this is, I think that it's pretty safe to say that this is probably very shortly before the man in black is going to embark into the park. He's going to go off on good rhyme. You know, he's going to go off on this final voyage to search for the maze and like do what he's going to do. And in season one, he's going to talk about how I'm never going back. I'm never leaving. There is something that I, I I would really be, um, I'd almost be surprised. If Ed Harris makes it out of this season, like there is sort of like uh, like a, a suicide mission quality to what he's doing right
1: yeah, now. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and you know, we know that as he's talking to Delos here, that Juliet is dead. His wife is dead. Yeah, uh, she's killed herself. And if this, she's
1: like, you didn't hang out with me enough. You were in the park all the time. Yeah.
0: Well, we know that you know from uh, from season one that his daughter blames him for her death. Like she's going to say, like she didn't just like die. She killed herself. That's how. He he finds out that she had killed herself and it was because of him. Yeah. So I think that finally the man in black really late and probably very recently has finally started having that crisis of conscious and that existential crisis of like, what have I done? What have I built? What have I created?
1: How do you atone for how we, it? How,
0: can you atone yeah. for it? Or can you at least fix the thing? And uh, you can't
1: hybridize it.
0: Right. Right. So this experiment that he's been making and this idea of like, uh, you know, like making this 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 thing where like if you if you can live forever what a what a fantastic achievement that nobody ever thought would be possible and now it is uh it's a it's a- Actually, a really bad idea, uh, you know. And he talks about how people aren't meant to live forever. Uh, you were kind of a terrible person. He gives. He has yeah, like. That's a, what
1: I wondered. I was like, out of all the people to like try to. Well, prolong. he's very wealthy
0: and he's in charge of the company, so of course, like. Well, it yeah, makes sense. but like
1: after a while, I'd be like, well, you know, maybe I'll pick up like somebody else. There's
0: probably other people that they're doing this on. I would. I would guess. No.
1: I would guess that. <laughs> I would guess that
0: there are you know potentially hundreds, thousands of people that yeah, th- these that's same. True. Experiments are on like one of the things that Westworld does really well is it it pulls the lens back and it, it like widens the scope like it gives you something that is really jaw dropping. And then within an episode or a few, it pulls back the camera so that it's like. Bigger, you yeah. Know? We're gonna see
1: like multiple containers of people and like you know test subjects being singed. Tessa
0: well. Thompson subjects. I bet that there is like <laughs> a, seriously. I bet that there's like a Charlotte Hale host. Yeah, you know, like all yeah. of that. Like uh, I, I'm sure that th- I, I am. I feel like that is a, a very strong likelihood. Yeah. Uh, that we will we will see stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, the, the laundry list of insults that he tosses at Ellis is great. My favorite is very uh, straight into the point where he says, "You're a veritable shithead." <laughs> <laughs> like just like veritable Just like adding emphasis Like you are, uh, you are a shithead And veritable for emphasis uh, And he talks about how the world Would probably be better without you uh, Certainly better off without you But probably better off without me as well uh, In this we find out uh, You know Dallas is obviously very upset When he finds out that his daughter Has committed suicide He starts like calling out for Logan We find out that Logan is dead I mean, we
1: saw that coming. Yeah,
0: it makes sense, especially because of, like, when we saw him at the party. Yeah,
1: shooting up and stuff. Like, not doing well. Yeah, not doing well. He was also a veritable shithead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certainly. Not a good guy. Obviously very traumatized by his experiences with William in the park, but it's just kind of sad because it would have been really great to have in the way that Ed Harris plays the older version of Jimmy Simpson's character. Like, you could have had, like, another great actor who could have played the older version of Logan. Hogan, that like
1: of, Eric Bana.
0: That oh, that's actually pretty good. Wow, have you been thinking about that or did you just bust that no, out? No, that
1: was just off the top of my head. Oh
0: my god, that's that's excellent casting. Thank you. What a what a missed opportunity. I mean, like, he's like a little young, but like they could have old they could yeah, age, they, him, they up they can age him up a little bit. Yeah. Like he just kinda of looks Ben Barnes ish. Yeah, doesn't he? I like that. Yeah. Emily. Good job. Redemption for the Jimmy Simpson hate. Uh, There's no hate there. I know, I know, I know. Uh, But this is, so he steps out on on Dallas while Dallas is just, like, freaking out and going nuts and going crazy and just, like, tearing the place apart. And and the guy says, like, I don't understand. He was stable. Um, And I wonder if the technician was able to, like, listen in on the conversation or not or what. Um, But, like, is... Is William saying this to uh, to Riling Delos to rile him up, but is not necessarily being truthful? Is it possible that like there is actually like they're closer to getting past that cognitive plateau than they think? I don't know stuff. Stuff to think about, but either way, obviously he's going to degrade. He's going to degrade severely. Uh, normally they burn these people up, but they have not burned him yet. He yeah, says they're it, like,
1: let him get upset for a little while, I'll see what happens. Might be interesting. Might yeah. be interesting
0: to observe him. Might be useful. So, so he leaves him. So like a really like crappy thing that the Man in Black is doing. Um, but thank God he did because it leads to this incredible like hellscape sequence.
1: Oh, so scary.
0: Where uh, you know it's 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 a it's a funny thing, Emily. Here we are again on a post. Show recaps podcast talking about a red room. Uh, we have <laughs> from Fifty Shades of Gray to Fifty Shades of James Delos here as we are How in far this
1: we've come. I feel good about this. Yes, actually. yes.
0: As we are as we are in this blinking red room, uh, a red room of pain uh, <laughs> where 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 Delos is here and he has been. Uh, he has you know he's like been clawing at his face yeah. with like shards of glass. He killed the lab tech. He's speaking in riddles. Uh, and and Elsie and Bernard are both very taken aback and upset by what they're seeing. I think we've covered that already, like this idea of like I don't know if you deserve to die, but I don't know that I can allow you to live. Right, uh, and you know a fight scene breaks out, and Bernard with his Bernard strength. Bernard is so strong. I, I mean, know. it's been a little while since we've seen him this strong. The last time we saw him this strong, he was killing poor Teresa, oh which Jeffrey,
1: was, right? Which is such mm. a messed
0: up moment. But here he is. He he's able to overpower Delos, and that's when Delos, who like seems like he's like broken his
1: teeth oh, a little he's bit like, too, absolutely terrified.
0: Oh, it's so scary. He talks do you, about.
1: Do you have a concept of like how long? Long he's been in this.
0: Yeah, yes. yes. Uh, so it's been probably a, it's been probably like the span of the first season of Westworld plus like however long it's been going into season two now. So it's probably been like. Two weeks or so?
1: Okay, so he's just been going crazy yeah. for that long. It's
0: a long time to be going nuts.
1: R.I.P. Goldfish. Yeah, Goldfish survive. is definitely
0: offline and about to be incinerated. And so grapefruit juice. Definitely R.I.P. Jesse the Goldfish, uh, <laughs> which is the name of Emily's childhood goldfish for those who do not understand the she reference, was- which I imagine was zero of you.
1: Uh, you don't know that.
0: I think it's probably unlikely that anybody knows. Laura,
1: that. Laura, if you're listening.
0: Okay, <laughs> Laura, if you're listening, I'm surprised. But hello. <laughs> uh, so we we have this moment where uh, where Dallas is like giving him this this speech about how like they said there were two fathers, one above, one below. They lied. There was only one on the top, and why don't you look up from the bottom? It's his reflection laughing back down at you again with the reflections. Yeah. So it's all very sad, and uh, they're they're gonna finally put him out of his misery. Bernard's gonna shoot him. Elsie's like, now nah, this place is like fire stuff because like I I I know things immediately, so like, she immediately <laughs> knows how to how to do the incinerator. So they incinerate him. They put him out of his misery. He's smiling big as they roast him alive. It's terrifying. It's very terrifying. It's very chilling. It's very chilling. It's very upsetting, and I and I think it's 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 uh, like. Such like great kudos to the Westworld team for like introducing this obviously major high concept to the series, something that really matters to the thematics and the mythology of the show uh, moving forward and doing it in a way that makes you feel Empathy for the monster But also makes you feel horrified About the possibilities of what the monster Represents and being afraid of the monster itself uh, It's just It's all very complicated and I think like The the fact that it just kind of uh, makes you feel so many different things about what this what this thing is, what this technology represents right. and in like, this really excellent sequence, which is just great.
1: And like pulling the lens out, like you said before, what else exists down here?
0: Right. And so that's what we get into next is like they, they incinerate Delos, they leave there uh, uh, and she's like, tell me that was a host and not a human. And Bernard's like, I think it was both. I yeah, think exactly. it was kind of both. Because he says that person was James Delos. Uh, she says, But he died years ago. He's like, yeah, about he did. About that. <laughs> uh, and so this is when they 're figuring out like they printed his body and copied his developed mind onto a control unit, like our hosts, and unsuccessfully, but I think that they 're trying still, like I think they're going to keep trying um, and this is this is why Bernard thinks that he uh, was sent here. Uh, he believes he was he was sent here to print a control unit for someone else, another human i don 't know who, but I need to find out, so he and Elsie are going to team up to figure out what is happening? Like, is there another human that is being, uh, that is being brought back in this way? And so I think that like, this is the moment where we need to start considering what are we building towards in this regard? Uh, it's very clear that, that Bernard is talking about for someone else. So whoever it is, he's building this new body for, it is going to be somebody that is significant in terms of the show's mythology, Highly likely somebody that is recognizable to us. Yeah. You have some theories. I've got some I can lay out at you.
1: I don't know. Like, let's go through the people who've passed away so far who are like very big deals.
0: So top candidate on the board, obviously, would be Robert Ford. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, it's just like the obvious candidate would be. And it's something that people wondered about even after he was assassinated in the first season. Like, could he have allowed himself to get killed?
1: Yeah. Where he's like, bye. Yeah. Because like, he, know he's, he's, yeah, he girl knows bye. he's coming back. Yeah. Because like, yeah. he
0: knows what's coming. Uh, yeah. You know, this, this really lends some credence to that. Certainly, we know that his ghost is alive in the machine, whether or not that's just like programming of, of somebody that like is programmed to be like him or if that is supposed to be like a real significant clue that Ford's mind is still alive, and he plans on having that being put into a body. Uh, and if that's the case, are we going to get like actual Anthony Hopkins, or are we going to get like Anthony Hopkins motion capture put onto like his freaky motion capture Anthony Hopkins body that we've seen in the flashback? So much. I really one of my big bones to pick with Westworld is like that you like made. Uh, you you cast a different actor as young man in black. That's you, what I'm saying. Like, it would have been nice if you'd cast a young like a, a different actor as young Ford, so that like if that was a direction you ever wanted to go in. Yeah, you're
1: not beholden to this like weird.
0: Yeah, really... but I mean, Anthony Hopkins is just so iconic that it, it's it's hard to imagine replacing him. So I think that that's an idea. It I don't know that I love it because I I I love the idea that like uh, he's
1: actually gone. Yeah,
0: that like the that the that the god from which all of these other gods have sprung forth from that head is, like, done. And now it's all about the story of everybody else. But,
1: like, why wouldn't he program himself to come
0: back? It depends on, you know, how much of a narcissistic prick he was. Like, you know, <laughs> we, know we know that he was at least that to a degree, but, like, just how far? Uh, so he's an obvious person uh, to consider. Um, could it be another Delos body? That feels like that would be anticlimactic, right? Like, I feel like we've just dealt with that. There's no point. Uh, the You know, there's other op- uh, options that we could we could weigh on, like could it be Arnold? Like could uh, could Ford have come up with Arnold's actual consciousness that maybe he plans to infuse with Bernard himself?
1: Yeah, that's what I was wondering.
0: But how many frickin' Jeffrey Wrights can we handle on this show? <laughs> Like, infinite Jeffrey Wrights, Crisis on Infinite Jeffrey Wrights. Like, I don't think that that is just too many, too there many. Was,
1: there was a commercial leading up to the episode airing where, or not a commercial, but like a digital short of Jeffrey Wright being on a plane. Yeah. And it was like all these different Jeffrey Wrights sitting in all these different rows at the same time. And I was like, I can't even deal with this.
0: An astounding, an yeah. astounding amount of Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's that's a possibility. Again, like I said, Charlotte Hale, like, I, I feel like that is. I was wondering about that. It just feels like that's not. Impactful enough. Right. Right. To me, outside of Ford, there's really only one person that would pack like a real enormous impact. And it would be kind of in its way, again, a reflection and also a reflection of season one in that uh, it's a reflection of a character and a reflection of season one in that the first season built to like a big twist that a bunch of people had kind of started to put, to, you know, putting together before it happened, where it turned out that the Logan and William storyline was taking place decades earlier than the main action. And that William was, in fact, a young version of the man in black prediction time. That lay it on me. We are we are building towards another major man in black twist here in season two where
1: he's not real
0: either. He himself is not real and is not aware of it. Uh, and I know that's something that Joe has talked about a lot that like maybe the man in black that we've come to know is a host. Uh, and that would line up with the way that the man in black uh, originated, what his origin point is in terms of where he comes from, in terms of um, the Michael Crichton movie. Yeah. He's the Ewell Brenner character. He's iconically this like haywire mechanical robot. So maybe it's a deal like that. Or could it be that the man in black, as we know him, is indeed a human, but the man in black who has created this project, or at least has a large role in this project. Has
1: built himself into it.
0: Right has made a host body for himself either recently or much more likely once upon a time
1: oh so it's like young william comes back yeah and then he's gonna run into emily and she's gonna be like dad yeah oh no what if they fall in love
0: no that's awkward that's not i don't see that's that. very mcpoil that could be very <laughs> mcpoil that could be very McPoyle indeed but I think that we are going to get a robot Jimmy Simpson. I think that we are going to get a robot young William, a host bodied young William. What if
1: he comes back while while old William is still out alive, too, and they face off together and then they look at each other and they're like, just another reflection. I th- I, well, I think that that's Emily Fox with the idea. Well, I
0: think that that's that's potentially what we're building towards is, you know,
1: and then Dolores gets in the middle and she's like, hmm.
0: The man in black is on the path, right? Like he's on the hunt for what Ford called the door. And he's said that like, it ends where you began. It begins where you ended. And like, that is very circular in terms of himself. Uh, you know, it is, uh, he has talked about his greatest mistake. Uh, this is the place that he is going to. The man in black has talked about that and how he takes issue with his own judgment. Um, I think it is it is highly likely that this body that is being built we know that Ford is uh very much toying with the man in black and messing with the man in black, that if he knows that this is a thing that he could really screw with the man in black's mind with over, um, it would not surprise me in the least to, to have there be some sort of face off between the actual man in black and a Jimmy Simpson version of William. And then
1: both of them dance with Lawrence.
0: Yes. They both dance with Lawrence. (laughs) No, but there could be some kind of, some kind of battle that either ends them both or this could be an opportunity if Ed Harris doesn't, you know, want to be doing Westworld forever. Like this could be an opportunity or if the show uh, is going to start doing like some leaps forward in time, given like the lifespan yeah. of the host. That's fair. You can't really have the man in black and Ed Harris form around for that. I think that the opportunity now to have uh, the continued presence of William on the show, albeit played by Jimmy Simpson, um, I think it's here. I feel like this is where it's going. I think that there's a lot of clues that point in the direction of it. Yeah. I think it's going to be like massively messed up and really screwed up. And maybe I'm wildly wrong. Very likely that I'm wildly wrong. I don't
1: know. You tend to have a hunch
0: on a lot of this stuff. I just, it's, it's what I'm, it's, it's like, I feel like I see it fairly clearly. Yeah. Uh, And like, maybe it's just, uh, you know, play the, the, the fan fiction song. But like, I, I, I just, I see it. Yeah. I see it.
1: Have you ever accidentally wanted to say Jimmy Smits instead of Jimmy Jimmy Simpson? Smithson?
0: No, no, I'm just smitten me? with Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> uh, just you, indeed. Uh, so uh, before the scene ends, Elsie is going to be like, all right, let's team up. Let's do it. I always trusted code more than people, uh, but no more lies yeah. and you will never hurt me again. And it's like this great like Team America moment. where he's like, I promise I will never lie or hurt you again. (laughs) And then we see a flashback (laughs) that he is lying about where he uh, remembers everything what he did when he like like you said, the wheel of misfortune where he and the drone host killed all of the scientists. He pocketed the red velvet uh, uh, cupcake brain ball. Uh, So whoever it is that he's been printing the body for, he either has the brain ball or he had the brain ball and has probably since given it to Ford. So Ford has probably placed the brain ball in somebody body. Uh, and, uh, you know, Bernard kills a scientist with his own two hands or his foot. Rather the drones kill the rest. Yeah. That and was rough. The drones kill themselves. And like you laughed when you saw this. I thought that was a nice moment uh, <laughs> where the drones like cracked their own neck and you were just kind of like, come on, oh God, yeah, that's that so obscene.
1: One thing I want to go back to, though, that I love is that I trust code more than I trust humans. That's a very hot take that Emily also shares in a
0: way. Yeah, it seems like it.
1: Yeah, so I wonder if that ends up having a convergence, Elsie uh, and Emily kind of getting together, the double E's.
0: Well, that's another reason why I think like one of the stories that's being told here is this idea of uh, a clash of the species. Yeah. But not just like a clash in like the like, um, you know, the offensive way, like in, in terms of like, uh, you know, it's 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 us or you. It's you or me. Uh, but also like a meeting of the minds. It's not, you know, us versus them. It's us and them. It's us. You know, yeah, uh, I think could be could be something that we're building towards, which could be interesting. And of course, there will always be factions that disagree with that idea, so that will be uh, both in real life and in Westworld. Uh, and so that is, uh, I think, something that potentially we are we are dealing with here. Uh, but Bernard is going to lie about all of that. Is like, yeah, everything's fine, everything's cool. Don't worry. Uh, oh, I hope I don't lie or hurt anybody ever again, but I probably will. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see where all of that is going to go. Elsie, so far not seen in the future timeline that uh, we've been seeing Bernard in. So. Uh, uh, TBD, as we have been saying here. Um, Final set of scenes of the episode is uh, everybody's thanking the Man in Black. Everybody's happy. Lawrence's cousins, they're going to come along for the ride. They've heard that the Man in Black is a great dancer. They want to test that. (laughs) They want to test that themselves. And then Lawrence's daughter... Is going to speak to the man in black with uh, with some extra wisdom, and this is not the first time that we've seen the uh, the little girl speak with uh, with with such wisdom, where she is clearly here talking with the voice of Robert Ford, like it's Ford, the ghost in the machine, once again using uh, an, a host as a vessel. Yeah, uh, and it's
1: so it's so interesting how it works out.
0: Well, it makes you wonder. Like there have been uh, you know there have been moments in the past where uh, where the little girl has has had uh, you know has like she says the maze was not meant for you to William back in season one uh, and has talked to Dolores as well. And here I think we can really infer that it's Ford. Makes you wonder if in those earlier instances, was it Ford as well? Was it Ford speaking through this little girl? Probably. Um, Another thing, which I I think that Joe and I touched on very lightly, uh, but not very deeply, uh, is that in episode two uh, of this season, in the scene at the retirement party where Dolores is playing the piano, the little girl is there as well. No. The little girl is there. You can see her queer uh, as day if you freeze the right frame. Uh, and there's there's a couple of interesting things from that for me, uh, or I guess like three interesting things from that for me. One is just like on a blanket level, the little girl has been out into the world. So whatever that host is she has, has seen some has shit. like knowledge of like the outside <laughs> world, which who knows if that's going to be important or not. Yeah. So that's that's the 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 least interesting of the of the interesting facts. I think uh, the most interesting is Oh,
1: you're going to leave the middle interesting thing
0: last. Uh, stop it, Emily! Come Sorry. on. I mean, I'm at a point. I'm trying to talk about stuff. Uh, the, the 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 thing is that she's she's you know if we if we're assuming that she speaks with the voice of Ford here. Then who's to say she is not a spy for Ford at this retirement party and is able to glean some information from the Delos people, Uh, perhaps is even in that moment. Picking up on like Project Immortality or whatever the heck it is that they've called this right. thing. Uh, so that could be like a spy for Ford in like a really uh, interesting way for him to to glean that information. Uh, and then the other thing is, why would that little girl be at the park? Why would um, or, or outside of the park? Why would this little girl be at the party? We know why Dolores is there uh, to provide the entertainment, to play piano. And also because William's obsessed.
1: Because, People talk around children and don't realize that they're picking up on stuff. Well, that
0: goes to point two. But point three would be like, what's the practical reason that the that the people who are throwing the party would say, let's have the little girl here to
1: be friends with Emily, to be
0: friends with Emily? Yeah. And so Emily is in the park now. Mm. and who she's kn- like
1: my friend never grew up
0: yeah who knows like <laughs> if, they'll, if they will interact again or what kind of connection she'll have with lawrence where she could say to Lawrence like oh yeah i remember your daughter she's super chill like you know like who knows now that they're teamed up that's true uh so just a, a lot going on there that i think is uh is worth just uh whether or not that like manifests in any sort of like big way or if that's just like something that can like help you kind of process yeah, some of like like the smaller details that. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but the conversation that they have here is like you know they might not remember but i know who you are william and one good deed doesn't change that uh, and i think that that's it's like
1: really intense coming from a child yeah
0: yeah <laughs> definitely and william is kind of rejecting it anyway says who said anything about a good deed you wanted me to play the game i'm gonna play it to the bone which is a very good Ed Harris impression. Uh, And I think, I think it does speak to the idea of like, it's less about atonement and more about like stopping what I've started, my reputation, my legacy, my, uh, you know, eternal soul that's on the line, be damned. It's more about doing the right thing right now. Uh, I don't care about fixing the past. I'm just highly offended by what I have done. And I know that I have effed up. I know that I have forked up. And so now I have to go and I have to fix it. Um, But we we get this final clue about this this journey that the man in black is on, uh, where she says, then you still don't understand the real game we're playing here. If you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. I think another potential clue of what you're going to find is yourself. Backwards' uh, younger uh, you so the train
1: tracks are going in the wrong direction,
0: indeed, indeed they are, uh, so everyone rides off, and it's sunset it's cool, it's nice, and then Emily shows up, hi, dad, and that's the end of the episode and it's like, okay, where are we going from here we've yeah. got a we've got a family reunion. The man in black who has already been shown to be like a little more soft hearted in this episode. <laughs> How much barely How much softer is he about to get Now that he's going to be around his daughter Like he's going to have to like You know really explain some stuff to her Like this is daddy's time You know daddy's a different person in the park Than he is outside the park So Or is he Or is he Probably not Yeah we don't know The park is what reveals who you truly are Yeah Uh, I would be
1: someone hiding behind a cactus,
0: absolutely terrified. Yeah, I don't like my odds in uh, Westworld Gone Wild.
1: I would be like chilling uh, in a small room, locked with the door, not interacting with anybody for fear of being killed. I don't like either of our odds
0: here in the Westworld Park, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, That's the episode, Emily. That's the Riddle of the Sphinx. I like it. It's a great episode. It was a
1: great episode.
0: Really thematically rich. A lot of incredible scenes. Uh, really uh, pushing a lot of the the story forward, I thought, in a really great way. Again, I just love that there is this huge mythological reveal about the show that just drops in the middle of the episode. Like, they don't stretch it out and, like, give you a cliffhanger and really make you think about it for a while. They just give you a lot to think about within the context of this episode. And uh, the the stakes are high. The possibilities are endless. I'm very excited for where we're going to go next in uh, in the in the show this year, and where where we're going to go immediately next. It's Shogun World, and I'm very excited about
1: it. Yeah, it looks so spectacular. It looks spectacular. I'm really excited about it. Can't
0: wait. Emily Fox, thank you so much for joining us here on Welcome to Westworld and filling in for Joe at the last minute. You did a great job. It
1: was such a privilege. Thank you for having me. A total
0: pleasure to, to have you uh, on here. You guys can find Emily if you like Emily. She has great tweets. She's at Emily on Twitter, like an omelet with an E instead of an O at the front. What have you been tweeting about lately?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Fun stuff. Great stuff. Hot takes. Hot takes galore with the great Emily Fox. That's true. So that's what's happening with Emily. I am at Roundhauer. That's where you can find me. Subscribe to what we're doing here on Welcome to Westworld. Postshowrecaps.com slash Westworld is the direct way to subscribe, and you can subscribe to everything we're doing here on Postshowrecaps at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Leave us your ratings. Leave us your star reviews. All of that. Greatly appreciated. Be honest. Be, you know, constructive if you've got criticism. Yeah, I, be won't, honest.
1: I won't come back if you guys that <laughs> (laughs)
0: No, you were great. You were fantastic. It was very, very fun. (laughs) Joe will be back next week as we are talking about all things. As everyone goes,
1: oh, thank God. No,
0: no, no. Uh, Joe will be back. I can't wait to pick her brain, uh, her brain ball, her red velvet cupcake brain ball about everything that we got into here this week uh, with with, uh, Riddle of the Sphinx. We'll definitely do a quick catch up on that. Uh, We'll talk about everything that happens as we plunge into Shogun world. Uh, And yeah, we'll just... We'll keep on trucking. So as long as you guys are here, so we shall be as well. What an awkward sentence.
1: You really want to end that way?
0: I have no choice. All right, guys. Take care, everybody. Very fun stuff this week. Bye. Bye.